Welcome to Movies Are Life. I'm your host, Nathan Chandler. This will be a really fun episode today. I asked my buddy Mark Blitch to rejoin me to talk about our top films from this past year. On social media every year, Mark lists all the movies that he's seen, and it always amazes me that he is able to consume so much entertainment. I knew he would be the perfect guest to come on and go over our top picks. Before we jump into the conversation, I wanted to take a moment to thank everyone who has supported this Pashik project of mine. Whether it's been coming on as a guest or subscribing or reading my reviews or engaging with us on social media, it, it's just blown me away. In all honesty, this has been a lot more fun than I expected it to be. I've always loved movies, obviously, but somehow this podcast has made me fall in love with movies even more, if that was all possible. I've loved having guests on to hear their perspective on a film, no matter whether they have liked the film or loathed it. One thing that I love about movies is that not everyone's experience is the same. And I think that this podcast is a love letter to that sentiment. Thanks again for making 2022 such a memorable year for me. Also, make sure you listen to the end of this podcast to hear about some really exciting news that I have in store for 2023. Okay, I'm going to bring Mark in and maybe some other voices that you might recognize. Well, hey, Mark, thanks for uh, coming on and doing this. I, I definitely wanted to have you on because you just watch so many movies in a year. I think I do, but uh, do you have any kind of gauge of how many you've seen this year? Uh, yes, and this includes old movies and new movies. Yes, yeah, so yeah. Last year, I think I watched a little over um, 200 but it was also we were working from home still, so I kind of wasn't necessarily yeah the most productive um, at home. Um, plus, I'm pretty I'm a pretty fast editor, so I can kind of get I can kind of you know it doesn't slow me down. But this year has been a major step down, and so as of now, wait, it's December sixth or seventh today. Uh, yeah, the seventh at this recording. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, I'm at one fifty eight. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I looked and the same with you, um, kind of a, a mixture of things and I'm at one Oh eight, but you know, those, that number definitely increases like towards the end of the year when, you know, when you have some time off and all that sort of thing. So, yeah. Um, and I always like to say that this list for me, uh, is more, uh, it, until I get screeners in the, in the mail, <laughs> It's it's going to be more of this is the top films that Nathan saw in 2022 uh, versus uh, the actual year. But I always try to keep them somewhat recent, but I, I don't mind doing that because there's just so much that's out there that I think people just even forget that these movies exist. And what's cool with streaming, like, you know, you can always like catch up on them and stuff like that. So if anything, if maybe they're a little older, it'll remind people of like, oh yeah, I remember hearing about that film. Maybe I should go back and check it out. Yeah. A quick question for you. Do you ever get anxiety whenever you see what movies are out and that you haven't seen them? And it's just more so I don't have time to do any of this. Oh yeah. Even for, for sure. Even for me, like right now we were talking about the date of recording this. It's just like, you know, end of the year is really not the end of the year yet. <laughs> you know, we're in the early part of December, but yeah, definitely. That's when you see like, you know, some of the bigger media outlets that have these lists and stuff like that. And you just know that they've been privy to access to seeing things a lot sooner than a lot of people have. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's always, and the tension for me is always, I want to be like, there's part of me that wants to be really snobby with my, with my top 10. Uh -huh. But then there's also part of me that's like, you know what? 
I'm just going to tailor this to the, you know, my own personality. Like people, I don't have an audience, you know, you know, I don't have, I don't have anyone who like outside of Facebook maybe who actually looks at it. So I don't feel like I'm losing or gaining any credibility (laughs) whatsoever with my list. So it's just more, it's more, it was funny. I had a, I had a friend of mine who a couple days ago, he was just like, Hey, what are your top 10 movies for the past 10 years? And so that was 2012 to 2022. And we just tried to guess each other's. And so that's really where my lists are is mainly just, it's just for me and my buddies and, and and it's fun to guess them, but but yeah, like like I really tried. There's some movies on on my list that are like, okay, this has to be on here because I may have not have loved it, but it's but I have to put I have to put its brilliance on there. Right, so, right, yeah. And for me, it was, a lot of the times, I think the list that the movies that make my list are a little out in the box in the sense that you know it's just movies that I wish uh, people would see because there's definitely a line between the you know those ones that always seem to have the Oscar bait, you know, aura to them. And then um, there's the kind of pop culture friendly type of movies. And so sometimes I kind of find the uh, in between the kind of in between ones of like, yes, but have you heard about this one? (laughs) You know? So anyway, it's more so like, it's me just encouraging. And I, I tried to think of movies that, um, might be a little bit out of the box for some people, but that I think that they'll enjoy them if they're willing to take the chance on them. Totally. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, um, yeah. And also kind of what's, you know, looking at my list for 2022, um, we were talking about this before we hit, re- you know, hit record, but, um, you know, I was kind of like, I was a little disappointed probably in my, like what I would rank as a five star type of movie for this year. Sure. Part of that is actually this podcast's uh, fault because <laughs> a lot of the movies we've watched this year, they have been new movies, but it's been a lot of movies that we uh, either revisited or maybe movies that I just didn't see when they came out for whatever reason, like, the bodyguard or something like that. And so that's part of the reason I maybe don't have as many. I think also the other thing is we were spoiled, especially in 2021 because of COVID and a lot of theaters being closed, all that kind of stuff that everybody just put was pushing their com uh, their content through streaming. And so it was really easy to (laughs) catch up on a whole lot of things. And this year um, there's just a lot of movies right now that are in the, that are making those top 10 list of, a critics choice or uh you know the new york critics circle and all, all that kind of stuff that like i just haven't seen like and i just haven't had a chance to you know uh go see the fablemans or something like that so yeah. I, i'm assuming a lot of those type of movies may you know <laughs> be on my 2023 list but anyway right. so uh but yeah that, that's that's kind of but i i don't think it's unfair to say that like um and you may you may disagree with me that as far as like just great movies, there's not a whole lot that's just you know grabbed my attention this year. Yeah, yeah, and I think yeah w- when I did my top my top ten in the last decade, there were none from this year, and I think part of it is time. You know, like time sometimes, you know, I've seen a lot of these movies from this year fairly recently, you know, but a lot of it's rewatch value for me too. And I haven't had a chance to rewatch t- too many. I, I definitely my number one I've rewatched the most this year, but um, yeah, I've noticed that there's not really anything coming out this th- th- in my list. That's like, this is going to be my, in my top 15, top 20 all time. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, okay. So, kind of kicking it off, then. Um, uh, what what it's your number ten movie? My number ten. Well, I'll start with I had two honorable mentions. Just you know, and one of them is Hustle, ones that we we talked about, yeah, and yeah. then and then I had Elvis on there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, Moulin Rouge is maybe top five, top ten for me all time. So I'll always kind of root for for Boz, but. Um, I thought Austin Butler was great. And I remember just yes. watching this thing and like it's musical biopics have been done to death. They follow a very strict formula. And I just thought kind of against all odds, it worked. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so I kind of had that as my, as my um, honorable mention, but number 10, I actually just moved this one up. Uh, and that is the outfit. Okay. Um, it's Mark Rylance. Um, I think it's Zoe. Oh, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, but it's it's Leah Thompson's daughter. I think it's like Zoe Deutsch or, you know, I, I, I don't, 100%. And then Dylan Bryan, uh, who was the Maze Runner. And it's basically, it's on Peacock. And okay. it kind of went straight to streaming. I think it was one of those that kind of, by COVID, you know, I'm not sure if it got, if it was strictly for Peacock or if it just got picked up. But it's essentially it's a play, single location in this tailor shop. Mark Rylance plays this tailor, and there's like a there's like a rival gang war, and so I think it takes place in London. Maybe it's New York. I mean, um, it, it's New York, yeah, um, or Chicago. Gosh, it's in the U.S. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I watched it. I watched it one day when I watched like four films in a row, so it all kind of bleeds together. But he basically plays this kind of soft spoken tailor who gets caught up in this. Um, gang war versus the feds, you know, someone comes in with a gunshot wound. He's a tailor so he can stitch him up and it's a, it's, it's a play and it's just a really good single location, great characters, great script, great acting. And, and Rylance is someone who's kind of grown on me. I've always had a grudge against him for beating out sly for best supporting actor in Creed for, um, bridge of spies. So I've always kind of had that against him a little bit, but, um, yeah, he's he's fantastic. Everyone's great, and it's just a good. It's just a really, really solid, solid film. So that's that comes in for me at number ten. Awesome. I, well, I, I don't know much about that movie, so that's definitely now coming on my list of something I need to see. I think I've heard a little bit about it, but yeah, I, I think I saw another friend post something about it, but. No, yeah, I'm going to check that out uh, for sure. Yeah. So my number 10, I was almost a little hesitant to do this, uh, especially if you listen to the first episode of this podcast, but I've put the the Batman as number 10. And I know it's been a, device, a divisive film. And yeah. even on the second watch of it, um, my opinion kind of came down a little bit on it. But just as far as thinking of almost the year 2022 and um, – even even maybe some things <laughs> didn't work. Uh, I think some things did really work, but I think it may have may have changed the game a little bit uh, when it comes to superhero movies. Um, I I I'm not someone I can't keep up with all the uh, Marvel movies that come out. I've seen some here and there, um, and although those are, uh, are different, you know, there's a lot of commonality with them as far as the look and feel of it, and they work really hard to you know, work with directors on that. But I think I may maybe enjoyed it just being um, a little different from that look. And But I'm also someone who doesn't like dive into all the other DC movies. So I don't have a lot to compare, but I liked 
seeing this director kind of uh, do a new take on it. And so it's still, when I look as far as the year, it's still a movie uh, for better or for worse has kind of stuck with me. And so did, uh, I know we might've talked about it. Is that a movie that you liked? Oh yeah. No, I liked, I liked the Batman. I, I remember thinking as I was done, as I walked out, and it's a long movie, I remember because I, I love Matt Reeves, and so I I will be a champion of every director that I like. Like I'll, I'll tend to give them more benefit of the doubt than than um, others, and so I I love Matt Reeves, and so I was really excited. Um, and to me, it just felt like okay, this is just a. I, I think I sold it to people as it's a detective show that you're binge watching the entire season, and um, I remember thinking. I don't know if we needed another Batman movie, right? <laughs> but it might be the best one. So it's definitely the best Gotham I think that we've seen on film. Um, big fan of uh, Batman Begins and, and Nolan and how they use Chicago, but Gotham wasn't really a character as much as it is in in, in the Batman. And so um, I thought Paul Dano was great. I thought the open scene was great. And I remember watching it, thinking like, okay, my son can't watch this. And so that sometimes often takes a knock for me a little bit is like he's 13, he'll be 13 next week. And, and, you know, I always hate it when like, like Zack Snyder's justice league is rated R. I'm like, okay, come on. That's, that's, you're making this for you and that's fine. And, and, but I guess just, just as a dad, there's part of me that's like, okay, I think he's getting close to the age, but the opening is pretty haunting. I didn't love the Joker at the end. I thought we didn't need that. Uh, the deleted scene with the Joker, I thought, okay, I'm glad they didn't put that in there. I love the actor, but um, I thought Pattinson was really good, and I thought it was it was one of those where I read I read a really good point that it's not a Batman origin story; it's a Bruce Wayne origin story because he's kind of mopey and doesn't quite under like it's like oh, of course he's Batman. He's a <laughs> he's a mopey he's a mopey. Uh, orphan you know uh cosplaying as a as a bat so um but no i I really did like it yeah yeah good uh so what was your number nine number nine for me was the unbearable weight of massive talent okay i remember you mentioned that uh to me before and is once again it's one on my list i just haven't gotten to so but i got i'm a i'm a big nick cage fan there should be no reason that i haven't watched this movie yet (laughs) yeah and i I haven't watched it a lot of these movies like i'll watch with my wife or something but um she i went and saw this i think by myself and you just love i remember thinking the first like 30 minutes i'm like oh this is my favorite movie of the year like for sure then it kind of delves into more of kind of a basic buddy comedy which isn't bad you know pedro pascal is fantastic and i'll i love everything he's in and it was just a good i don't know just seeing nick cage's career and his kind of journey to see him kind of make fun of himself similar to like being john malkovich Mm -hmm. uh it's just a lot of fun and it's not anything that i don't think it'll be up for any awards or anything but it's just it's just fun and i remember just smiling throughout the movie and that's 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 a big uh it's a big plus for me if i'm if i'm just smiling the whole time yeah no yeah um i i will I, i'm definitely gonna check that out hopefully i can watch it pretty soon uh my number nine also another movie uh probably not my favorite film of the directors uh but um it's it's nope which uh we actually uh covered on episode 11 and um you know I don't think it's Jordan Peele's uh, best, but even I, I've listened to some podcasts about the film 
And even though, even in the moment, I saw some things working, but it was a podcast, particularly from um, two uh, black friends who were talking about it. And man, they even saw more things than I even saw on the surface. And so I think it's a uh, deeply layered film. And I think you go in expecting um, certain things uh, from him. And then once you realize that he's, and when I say this, I don't mean this in a despairing way. He's not trying as hard to hit you with some things as maybe some of his other stuff. And so we, we, I think I would love to rewatch it again because I think on the surface, it's just kind of a fun action type of movie. And so um, anyway, but once again, it's more of a movie that like it's it's stuck with me. I've thought about it. And even now that it's on, uh, it's streaming on Peacock now and you know people can buy it or rent it and stuff. But it's one that, when that's come, that push has come out like, oh, Nope's available. It's immediately in my head. I'm like, oh, I want to watch that again. So to, for me, even though maybe not the best film ever, it's definitely one of the most, uh, I think one of the more rewatchable films from this year. Yeah, I, I watched it. Um, it's actually higher on my list than number nine. Um, okay. And I was kind of like you where... I had Get Out as number one, Us as number two, and Nope like at number seven. Like there was a significant gap. Mm-hmm. It slowly has closed the gap to for me, and I'll I'll get more into it when whenever, whenever whenever it gets on my list. But it's it's definitely for me. It, it has grown on me. I've seen it maybe four times. Um, oh wow! And uh, I only counted it as one in my movie list. So I'm not I'm not I'm not a I'm not a weirdo who puts down that I've watched us four times, but, um, yeah. And even my wife, cause again, it kind of hits on a lot of Spielbergian things that I kind of love. It, it, the last half is essentially jaws, you know, with, with, um, with Quint and, and, and antlers. And so, uh, but yeah, yeah, no, it's well worthy of a, of a top 10 selection. Hey, this is Kyle Radford. Um, past, guest on the Batman episode, the Dear Evan Hansen episode, and the Weird Al movie episode. My favorite movie of 2022, looking back at my letterbox scores, uh, was Nope. Nope was the movie I gave the highest rating with four and a half stars. I think I definitely liked it more than the guys on the podcast uh, that reviewed it, but I thought it was a lot of fun at the movies. had a lot to say about Hollywood and spectacle and just found it to be really thought-provoking. It stuck with me after I saw it. Uh, I will say my favorite movie I saw this year, though, was from the previous year, and it was Steven Spielberg's remake of West Side Story. thought that was brilliant. I thought it was a master at the top of his game. The acting, the singing, the camera work, um, the production design, it was all just completely brilliant in my eyes. Thanks. My, my number eight is Top Gun Maverick. It kind of is obligatory for me. It's- hey, hey uh, spoiler alert. It was my number eight as well. Okay. <laughs> and and so um, it's just it's just a good formula movie done really well. It, you know, I would not be surprised uh, if 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 uh, the director's nominated for best director. Like it's it's pretty technically flawless. It's almost a better version of Top Gun, and so it just kind of to me. It's kind of like the fault in our stars. I think I always kind of refer to that one as like that was in my top ten back in because it was just you know what kind of movie it is. It's just done really really well, and mm-hmm. and I think it's harder to do that than than people realize. And so I remember kind of watching the trailer, thinking like, okay, this is going to be good. It's it look, looks I like Top Gun, um, mm-hmm. but 
it's more like my I like it because my dad really liked it. I, I didn't really have a lot of ownership of it, but I thought it handled Val Kilmer really, really well. Um, all the new people kind of felt familiar, but kind of stood on their own. Um, I've always had a soft spot for Miles Teller, even though by all accounts, he's probably a massive douchebag. Um, (laughs) He pulls off the mustache. And I love Glenn Powell went to my high school, not at the same time, but I always kind of have a soft spot, kind of root root for him. Um, So it's, 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 it's great. And you you throw in Ed Harris and John Hamm and kind of supporting roles and, and you can't really go wrong. Yeah. No, I, I really don't have anything to add to that because I think you perfectly summed up kind of what I said. Uh, what you said is exactly how I feel. We uh, it was it almost has a special place in my heart because it was the second episode on our podcast that we covered, so people can go back and listen to that. But uh, once again, kind of uh, with especially these kind of uh, these picks on this side of the list for me. Once again, I. If I look back this year, I can't help but think of Top Gun Maverick, and and not that that necessarily makes a, a movie the best of the year, but it was so fun, and just even the memories I have wrapped around it, and the impact that it had, and you know, and honestly, I I wouldn't be totally shocked with, um, once again, not tons of movies right now really, um that people are really championing as far as the best movie of the year. I mean, I would not be shocked to see this uh, as a best picture contender from next year, just because of the lack of competition, honestly. So, yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad at it. Hi, I'm Whitney Chandler. I'm Nathan Chandler's wife. And I was on a lot of previous episodes, but ironically, I was never on my own episode. I don't know what that has to say about me. So I always had to, um, guest star with other people. So maybe in 2023, I'll get to star on my own show, but time will tell. Um, so I, I thought I saw a lot of movies this season, but I don't think I saw any that were just like outstanding or like made my whole year. So, but I think that's more to say about the movie industry than me. But, um, so I think that probably the most popular would have been Top Gun and Elvis. I enjoyed both of those, really enjoyed seeing Top Gun in the theater, but um, I had three of my favorites that I think everybody should check out. The Eyes of Tammy Faye would probably come in third for me because, maybe just because of growing up and uh, watching them and having some nostalgia for that story, but I enjoyed the story. The second one would be Cha-Cha Real Smooth. I thought that one was very fun, and I think everybody should see that. And then I think my number one would be Marcel the Shell with shoes on, probably because of all the one-liners and because I had a lot of conversations surrounding it, and it really invoked a lot of thoughts for me. So um, so I guess put in a good word for me so that I can come back as a main guest in 2023. So uh, what's your number seven? Number seven is uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Um I know it should be higher, but um, I think it's easily one of the most creative movies I've ever seen, ever. And so I think that one may stand the test of time a little bit more. Um, But it didn't, like, there's something about it that didn't, like, push it over the top for me, like, like from an emotional perspective, because I'm not as familiar as... um, 
like if like it's one of those things where it's like, oh, this is a very personal story. That it's almost like I don't need every movie. I don't need any movie to be made for me specifically. But I think because I don't have that experience, I was like, oh, but, but I also, but I mean, it's a universal, it's a universal message, you know, but it's almost like specifically within the Asian community, it feels very personal. And, and, um, and so I kind of just like, I respect the hell out of it. I think the directors are fantastic. I love Swiss army man. Um, so yeah, like, like to me, it's just, it's clearly one of the most creative movies ever made and it deserves everything it gets. It just didn't push past the other six on my list yeah no um no i'll just say it'll, it'll probably make another appearance here <laughs> in a little bit but i tell i totally get what you mean with you know sometimes you just don't personally connect maybe just as much as much as maybe some other people do to things but yeah but you still you still can easily acknowledge that you're seeing something new for the first time um, yeah, uh, for me, number seven, now I'm kind of going into 2021 territory, but it's Steven Spielberg's version of West Side Story. Um, it's on Disney Plus. It, uh, it was one of those movies I was very hesitant to see because it was almost, especially with a, a story like West Side Story, it's like, well, why are we remaking this thing? And um, when I, I, I watched it when it came out on Disney Plus and immediately regretted not seeing it in the theater because it's amazing uh how they were able to be reverent in the remake it's actually not even like uh they're not messing with too many things to change the storyline and somehow it's like original as well and it it doesn't put down the older film or the stage mu musical it's almost like it just built upon its legacy and I, I really encourage people to check it out because it i think maybe with the length it might lose maybe some younger um uh younger a younger audience uh um we showed it with our girls and stuff. And I, I think the runtime kind of started losing them <laughs> a little bit, but you know, it definitely, I mean, it's just, you watch it and you're, you just kind of want to scream out movies. <laughs> like right. to me. Uh, and so anyway, I, it, it was definitely a surprise for me. And uh, once again, the kind of a movie that's uh, still, still stuck with me. I have an admission that I didn't finish it. And it's not because I didn't like it. Um, <laughs> it's just one of those times where, you know, me and me and you know, me and my wife were sitting down and we watched it and you're just blown away by its technical mastery. And it's almost, and this is a hard thing to admit, but I think sometimes I take Steven Spielberg for granted. Like he has such a master over every element of every movie. And, but for, uh, for whatever reason, I just, I just like, we, we were able to watch half of it and then we just stopped because of something and we just never sat down to pick it up. And I'm ashamed of that because it's Spielberg and, and the work he does on it. And there's this, there's that one shot whenever, um, uh, whenever the main dude's like looking up and the lights are rotating in the reflection of the water. And it's like, that's one of the greatest shots I've ever seen in my life. And, and no one would, and the thing is, is it's not showy. Like, it's not look at me, look at me. It's just so subtle. And, you know, I, I read a, an article, this probably isn't new information, where he, he doesn't really storyboard a whole lot. He just walks into a scene and blocks it while he's there just by feel. And that's, that's stupid, you know, <laughs> how, how, <laughs> how hard it is to do that with. I mean, he's doing his prep work, but, like, he has such a command over the craft that it's unfair. It's just not even fair. 
um, that he still gets to make movies because even his bad movies, quote unquote bad, are better than 90% of anything else. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, I wouldn't feel bad about not picking it up. I, to me, that's just almost, uh, I mean, streaming, that's just kind of what happens. I mean, uh, we've we've had some movies like that for like, uh, for whatever reason, the remake of Father of the Bride uh, that came out on HBO Max with Andy Garcia, that's one. We just like, for whatever, and not because we didn't dislike it, uh, we actually were enjoying it. And then, you know, you just get lost with other things and stuff. And it's like, oh, yeah, we never finished that movie. So, yeah. Um, uh, so what was your number six? Number six is probably the newest one. Uh, it is, I want to pronounce it right, but I'm not going to. Uh, it's the Banshees of Venturian. Okay, I it, I've been wanting to see it, and my nephew is gonna kill me because we were trying to see it, and because we live in Oklahoma, it was it's pretty hard to find. Pretty hard theater. to find. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's great. Um, it's, I mean, all, all you really have to know is that it's a it's a metaphor for the Irish Civil War, and is it Irish or Scottish? Oh gosh, I think it's Irish. Yeah, I think it's yeah, Irish. It's Irish. Um, I always. I always want to say things confidently and then <laughs> then I second guess myself so I don't sound like, oh, I'll, you would hate. There's nothing wrong than being confidently wrong. <laughs> and so I don't, <laughs> I come out hot, but then I want to, um, yeah. Um, it's just an actor's showcase. And so, you know, Farrell's great. Uh, Brendan Gleeson's great. I think it's Barry, is it Barry Kogan? Kagan, maybe it's Kagan. It's it's the guy he played the Joker in in the Batman. He's also in Eternals and Dunkirk. But um, he steals the movie. And um, Carrie Condon, she plays um, Colin Farrell's sister. She was she was Mike Ehrmantraut's I think daughter in law um, in Better Call Saul. And so never really saw her as someone who's just a force because of what I've seen her in. But she's fantastic and. Just the idea of it's just about the stubbornness of, of man and how so much of the conflict, even if it's uncomfortable. I mean, the whole setup is Brennan Gleason just decides he doesn't like Colin Farrell anymore. Doesn't give a reason why. Later on, he kind of does, but it's still pretty mundane. It's like, yeah, I just, I just, I just decided not to like you. And if the and then if Colin Farrell just let that go, the rest of the movie would be, you know, there wouldn't be a movie, but but like the conflict would be resolved. But Colin Farrell isn't. He's kind of a he's kind of a dumbass in the movie, which is fun. And he had, but he knows it too, <laughs> so it's funny. Um, he just can't let it go because there's this. He values the friendship that he has with this guy, and and then it just escalates, and it all kind of comes to a boiling point where it's just this is just, you know, just the, the hubris of feeling you deserved an explanation for everything. And this is the stubbornness that men will go to, even in even in harming themselves, <laughs> um, like or sabotaging yourself to to, to one up somebody, is 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 pretty. It's pretty great. Yeah, I I, I can't wait to check it, check it out. I've heard lots of good stuff, and it, it's, it seems like it'll definitely be around uh, uh, in Oscar season. So hopefully, it becomes a little bit more readily available. <laughs> Yeah, I will say I will say this real quick. Um, Colin Farrell's great. Um, I'm a little bit surprised he's a front runner, only because maybe it's because I haven't seen the whale yet, and I want to give Brendan Fraser front runner status because the story's so great, just kind of with him. But um, but if he wins, I won't be mad. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my number six, uh, I, I won't harp on it too much. Um, 
but it's also from 2021, but it was the tragedy in Macbeth uh, on Apple TV plus yeah. uh, Joel Cohen uh, taking on the movie uh, by himself, not with his brother this time. Um, I'm not a huge Shakespeare uh, person, uh, but I just loved the cinematography of it, uh, of it all and the themes and the visual nature of it. Um, I, I'm not a Shakespeare scholar. So after I watched it and I had my experience, I, I kind of, those who really are into especially the story of Macbeth, uh, you know, they, they didn't, uh, they were kind of iffy on it, but I'm just kind of going off my own experience. Once again, kind of one of those movies, it's, it's definitely not going to appeal to everybody, but um, it, it, it spoke to me. I just, I, I just loved taking in the visuals and the nature of it all. And I like ambitious films, um, but it's definitely a film that, I would only um, suggest to certain people. <laughs> oh, sure. Sure. I think the only thing I watched from it was the scene where Denzel walks up to the, to, to the witch. Mm. And I remember thinking like, that's all I watched. And I'm like, if that girl doesn't get, if that woman does not get nominated for supporting actress. It's a crime. And then she didn't. And I'm like, well, yeah, because she, she is like one of the, I, it, her, her, her look, everything about that. I mean, it's the, it's one of the things that stands out most yeah. to me from that film. So yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the, the thing I wrote in my initial re uh, review of it is it's the pure definition of art house cinema, but I found it a masterful tribute from, a, from one great artist to another. Hey Nathan, this is Michael Andrus. I was your guest on the Michael Clayton episode. My favorite movie of the year, like probably a lot of people, was Top Gun Maverick. So I don't think it's probably fair that I pick that, because my guess is you're going to get a lot of people who do. So instead, I'm going to pick another movie from my top ten of 2022. Coming in at number eight on my list is Bullet Train. I should say this movie is patently not good, but it is a ton of fun. It has everything you would want. Celebrities that you know, actors you know from movies where you're like, Hey, who's that? I know that person. Bright colors, great shots, action sequences that make no sense whatsoever. This movie clocks in at over two hours long, but it is so enjoyable and so much fun. I would encourage anyone who just wants to turn off their brain and have a good time to watch Bullet Train. Okay, so uh, you're number five. Number five, it's a little bit more under the radar, um, but it's a movie called Resurrection. And... Um, I think it had a limited, um, limited theatrical release, but then it, it, it went exclusively to Shudder, uh, um, which is a horror. Yeah, this is where I get into my horror <laughs> um, uh, bias for sure. And so um, did you by any chance see Alex Garland's Men? I, I haven't. I, I heard I heard lots of things about it, though. It's, it's bonkers. It's a little bit more of a, a straight-up parable, but... Resurrection would make a great double feature for that, but it's essentially about it's Rebecca Hall, um, who I've grown to just love over the past uh, couple years. Um, she plays this woman, kind of like a high end, like you know, CEO or a president of or you know, a company, very successful, and then she keeps seeing this man around town, and she's just terrified, and it's Tim Roth, and so you have no idea why. You know, it comes to find out that she was in like in a almost a 
um, not any way like supernatural, but like a crazy abusive relationship. Like he, she was groomed at a young age by this dude who kind of had the blessing of her parents and, and it's her kind of having to confront that trauma and then it manifests itself in, in, in into more outlandish. It, it, it gets, it gets weird, <laughs> but, but it's just, it's stuck with me and it, 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 you know, it's one of those movies that ends and you're just like, okay, I know that, you know, it doesn't take place in reality and, and you're okay with that. But it, you know, I love movies that start off like firmly based in physics and, <laughs> and then it just opens up to, oh no, this is a giant metaphor for something and we don't really care and we're not going to explain it to you, but it still like makes sense, but they're just not going to tell you the physics or the biology of something thematically. It just lands kind of like sunshine for me, like, like sunshine, everyone loves sunshine up until the very end where it gets kind of serial killery. But then it's like, if you know what the serial killer represents, it's really not that big of a leap and it's the next natural conflict in the movie. And so it's kind of like, it's kind of a lot like that, but it's just, um, it's one of those small movies too. Kind of like how you said where it's like, you just want more people to see it. I don't know if I can recommend it to anyone because people are going to think I am a masochist, (laughs) but it just stuck with me. No, no, I get it. Yeah. Uh, my number five real quick, another, uh, 2021, but, uh, and it's also probably, it, it's another musical that's on the list and I still wouldn't quite maybe herald it as one of the best musicals ever, but it's just one that like, I just enjoy deeply and it's tick, tick, boom on Netflix. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. It's on, it's the story of, uh, Jonathan Larson and, um, I, I think I think it gains a little bit more momentum than a lot of t- these type of films do on streaming services as kind of uh, but I, I really I it's the songs uh, stuck with me but most importantly even if you don't like musicals so much it's I think it's worth seeing just because of Andrew Garfield's performance in it yeah um, and just everything he does in it um, but uh, I, I I've just always said it's a love letter to the creative process and uh and i mean as someone who considers themselves as someone who does a lot of creative stuff it just really like spoke to me so and um so if you missed it missed out on it last year and you're with the family and you're needing kind of a good flick to watch together and kind of feel good about life but also be challenged and moved i I suggest that and you know with there's always lots of these movies that come and go on these streaming services so it's still there on netflix so you know uh, fire fire it up it's a good one no that's, that's something that whenever we're on a car trip we'll we'll listen to the soundtrack in the car as a family it's pretty great I like I loved it, and it's hard to not like Andrew Garfield. I think if you don't like Andrew Garfield, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> I do, I do as well. Yeah, we watched. Uh, it didn't make my list, and now that I'm saying this uh, under under the banner of heaven on Hulu. Yeah. Um, and so uh, it was a really good show. Kind of uh, kind of trailed off a little bit towards the end, but if anything, it, he he provides another great performance in it. This is Jennifer Hill. I was on the show to review The Manchurian Candidate back in November. But my favorite movie of 2022 is actually a really fluffy movie. It's Ticket to Paradise with uh, Julia Roberts and George Clooney. Not because it's brilliantly done. It is slow. It is fluffy. 
but it is also the first movie that I actually went to the theater with a friend and sat and enjoyed. We don't go to theaters enough anymore. There are not enough rom-coms anymore. And so this movie scratched an itch that I didn't even know I had. Um, it is about the movie because it was pretty and it was funny, but it was more about the experience and what I've missed during the pandemic. So it was a great film for me. Oh, what's your n- number four? Number four, it's Barbarian. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's I, I, And it's one of those where I went in, I had seen the trailer, but that's it. And so I went in completely blind and it's the best thing for the movie. And so I love it when movies just can walk that tightrope between really funny and then really scary. And so anytime a movie can surprise me in a good way, it's going to, you know, just the fact that the, you know, the first third of a movie is kind of self-contained. Then it cuts to Justin Long, who is awesome. Um, I've always liked Justin Long, but it was really fun to see him. Um, dive into this especially when he's um and and it's it's subtle it's socially conscious but i feel like it's a little bit more subtle in that and so um i you know you just have the juxtaposition of the girl obviously being nervous walking down this dark cellar meanwhile justin long has a tape measure and he's measuring how much square footage he can get out of it like i think it's 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 just a it's a brilliant i think yeah it's a brilliant debut um, from the director and I just, I, I couldn't guess what was going to happen next. And then once I saw it, it's like the movie I recommended to everybody where it's like, you just go in, don't watch anything, go in completely blind and you'll have a lot of fun. Yeah, no, um, it it was one kind of on the cusp for me. And honestly, it's almost kind of like, I can see in the future, like, Oh, I, I put the, the Batman above a uh, barbarian um, because, um, but I think partially I didn't put it on my list. Cause I thought maybe it, it would be on yours or whatever. And <laughs> uh, when I messaged you about just setting up this podcast, I just happened to look at, I think I was trying to find your email address or something, but I actually, it, you were talking about telling people about it. Uh, you know, I think I messaged you about it. <laughs> I just said, I said, it's crazy pants. <laughs> I think that's a apt way to describe it, <laughs> but, but but it was a movie. Like right when it was over, like I I just wanted to talk about it with like either, yeah. anybody to you know yeah. see it. And so uh, even maybe if you don't connect to it or see the uh, really intelligent things that are behind the this monster story, I think um, uh, it, it's just a fun one to talk about. You know for sure. Oh yeah, and my wife loved it. Like she usually I have to rub her feet and watch a scary movie that, that that's like the deal is she's like, I'll watch something one. It can't be torture. And I'm like, that's fine. I don't really like that anyway, but she's like, if you rub my feet, I'll watch anything. That's what we did with smile. Um, but like, she was like, she sat up during barbarian. So I couldn't even get to her feet. Um, <laughs> not like I was really trying to, but you know, it's just like you love your wife and it's a love language. And, uh, and so she sat up and she's like, okay, like I'm in, like, I'm just, she's freaking out. She's young. She is, my wife will talk about moments. Like she'll say them out loud. Like, Oh, don't do that. Or don't do that. Or what? Well, and then she would get the answer to whatever question or prompt she had immediately afterwards. So like the movie just 
knows where your mind is going and then it answers it in a way that just takes a quick, quick left turn or quick right turn. And so if, if my wife really liked it, I think it's a ringing endorsement that plenty of people will love this movie. <laughs> I mean, she's a mother, right? Just it, she had to connect to that story, right? <laughs> <laughs> no All right, I'll jump into <laughs> off of that, uh, to number four, and this is this is probably the one on my list. Uh, another one from 2021, but where uh, if I suggest this to people, it would be probably the hardest one for them to mentally jump into. But I think if somebody did, they they wouldn't re regret it. But it's the uh, it's it fills in a lot of categories. But it, last year it was nominated for best animated film, best international film, and best documentary. <laughs> and so the fact that you could wrap this movie in all three of those things, but it's flea. Um, it, it tells a story basically of a refugee and his experience and, um, uh, hopefully it's still on Hulu. That's what, that's what I watched it on, but, um, it's poetic, uh, but realistic. And I, I think if anything, um, and when I watched it, it was kind of right at the launch of the Ukraine, uh, war, uh, that's going on right now. And man, it's just an aspect of like, it just, regardless how you feel about refugees and countries taking, I, just, just watch this movie. And if it doesn't change your opinion, uh, I'm, you know, <laughs> I guess everybody's entitled to their own opinion, but I, I can't help but think it might change the way you see things just a little bit. Yeah. Now that's one that, that completely missed my radar. Sometimes I don't seek out documentaries. But I'll have to, I'll have to <laughs> a documentary animated film with subtitles. It's it, it's a hard sell. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a hard sell. But I mean, especially when it got, you know, it was able to get all three of those categories, you know. Uh, anyway, and I, I want to say that it's not too, too long. So um, I, I think people should check it out. So on, on, on subtitles, do you think that do you watch subtitles even when you don't need them? I, I've, I've found myself starting to kind of do that a, a little bit more with certain things. Um, so uh, I, I don't mind the experience of doing it if I have to. Yeah, we, we kind of do it. So if we're watching something that may be more 18 plus that we don't have to turn it up very loud. Mm -hmm. So the kids don't like walk down and see us watching Barbarian. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, I get it. And I just I just looked, yeah, the runtime including credits is 1 hour and 29 minutes, so it's a, it's a, it's a pretty fast watch. So, um okay, so oh, top 3. What's your number 3? Number 3 I have Nope. And mm, yes. It's an ode to Spielberg. Um I think someone described it. It may have been Jordan Peele where he's like it's people who think that they're in it, they're in uh close encounters, but turns out they find out they're in jaws. And, and so everything about it just as the one thing, the one knock that I had on it early on was like, I didn't really feel like the final form of the alien was really that compelling. Like it was pretty, I get what it was trying to do, but it kind of slowed the movie down quite a bit for me. Um, I agree. But then in watching it again and you just kind of watching the relationship between, you know, brother and sister. And, um, I love, I love, um, I love Antlers. Um, I've loved Michael Wincott since Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and uh, and he's got the perfect voice. And so, as 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 a as a, 
as someone who would love to make movies and has made short films and I, I, I never want to call myself a filmmaker because I just feel like that's pretentious. But <laughs> there's a um, there's the element of just getting that shot, getting the shot. Okay, well, you know, if we wait till the sun goes down and if I stand over this ledge just a little bit, like like so when I, like his death scene kind of rang true for me because he's like, oh man, that was a great shot. It's gonna be magic hour, and I can get a better shot. Like I know the <laughs> like I can relate to that feeling. Uh, although I hope I would be a little bit wiser. Um, but I think, I mean, Daniel Kaluuya has always been, I'll watch him in anything, and he does so much with so little in that movie. Um, Kiki Palmer's great. Love, I love Jupe, and I love his, I mean, his whole character is pretty much what the movie's trying to say, is that he's trying to, you know, he's relating to this terrifying experience, but the only way he can frame it is how SNL covered it. And so to me, that like, that's just the movie. It's, it's just how we process trauma, the way that pop culture, you know, the way pop culture, you know, frames it is, is, um, and it's fame is almost worth the trauma and exposure is worth, you know, the trauma. And so I love it that Daniel Kaluuya never used a smartphone. I love that he always used a flip phone and, and, it's just the, you know just one of those things where you rewatch it and you just pick up on more and more and more. And again, I I still think maybe it's number three for me for for Jordan Peele, but it's really close now between two and three. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I think it's also even um, uh, more more accessible than I mean, Get Out was uh, I mean the ultimate you know, but like Us was I mean I definitely think maybe probably too intense for some people, but after Nope, nope it was one where you know Whitney doesn't really like horror movies, and I'm like it it's not really like I think you would really you know enjoy the enjoy the movies. So yeah, uh, yeah. I showed it to Jackson. I like I was I mean, he's 12, and so he's right at that cusp where he can watch some movies that are a little bit, and a lot of it's just, he's, he just seems ready for it. Sometimes he'd be like, no, it's too scary. But with Nope, it's like, I think we had him, we didn't let him watch the Gordy scene where oh, Gordy yeah. was, was attacking everybody. Um, which I think is a wise choice, <laughs> but it's also surprisingly not that graphic really. Like there, you, you don't really see it. You, you just, you don't see any monkey hands punching, mon- you know, human faces. It's just, you, the sound design is probably a little bit too intense for him. So, um, I'm still a decently good dad. <laughs> well, um, and Jaws is the apt description for sure. And I think not just in kind of his his ode to that movie, but also in the sense of uh, if you're trying to think about you watching this film or also, you know, who to bring in to watch it, I, I would say think of Jaws and think of that kind of intensity, but also, you know, not as intense as some things can get. There's an adventure aspect to it that I think that he – he walks the line pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So uh, my my number three, we actually covered it on episode 12 of the podcast, but it was Marcel the Shell with the shoes on. Ah. And it just, uh, you know, it, I, maybe I'm counterbalancing uh, movies like Nope or Batman or like Barbarian that you mentioned. But I mean, it's just the, about the cutest, sweetest thing that you'll ever see. But it also has oh, just so much to say about life and um you know sometimes in life especially in these days you just need sweet things and marcel the shell is it and uh more than that i just it was one of the most 
creative things that I've seen. And um, I, I, I just really enjoyed it. Did you have a chance to see it? No. And it's one that I think that my family would really love. And it always throws me off that it's like from the studio that brought you men and the <laughs> witch comes Marcel the cell the Marcel the shell with shoes on. So it's 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 one that like, you know, I, I really just want to sit down with the whole family. But I think it's just it's harder for me to get the whole family down to watch a movie. And so it needs to it needs to happen though. Yeah. And once again, another movie that it's not, it doesn't have a super long runtime. So, um, yeah, this is one we went and saw, uh, as a family. And even though uh, probably, uh, my kids didn't connect to it as much as I did, uh, they enjoyed it. And I think it's, a it's, a, it's a movie that, um, has, has a lot of deep things to say, but it's not, deep enough where it will lose the younger generation, you know? So, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely really good. Hey, this is Todd Ferguson and I am one of Nathan's childhood friends and also one of the Baylor roommates. And I was on one of the, I was on the episode for dear Evan Hansen, um, where we trashed that movie. <laughs> um, but I want to say my, most favorite or most interesting movie that I watched this year was Doctor Strange, The Multiverse of Madness. Um, I thought it was a really good action film, but I also felt that it was different from all the other Marvel movies that I've seen. It added a little bit of horror. And I'm not usually a horror fan, but this one made it really interesting. It just wasn't um, a superhero flick. It had a little fear in there and I really liked it. It felt different and I thought Marvel made an interesting change there. So that's my film for 2022. Thanks y'all. Number two is prey uh, on Hulu. I, it just, it hit every, it hit me at the right time. Um, you know, I've been just wanting the, the whole predator series has so much potential and I feel like it's like they got it finally. And because I watched Predator 2 afterwards and it's just, it doesn't, it's so, it's, it's fun, cheesy nineties, but it's just somehow set in a futuristic LA or, you know, LA, it just doesn't, doesn't work. And so I love Dan Trachtenberg. I love, I love 10 Cloverfield Lane. So again, I kind of, I'm rooting for him and he hasn't made a bad movie. It's, you know, even his work with the boys and, um, yeah, it's just, it's just a perfect action movie for me. It great characters. It didn't preach at you unless you think having a female lead is preaching, whatever. But, um, you know, I, I think I kind of liked it despite people saying like, Oh man, you know, this, 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 the, you know, this, this teenager could never beat a predator. And I'm like, well, tell me that you don't understand predator by not telling me you understand predator. Like there's a reason why, all the macho men get destroyed in the first one is because they're not particularly ingenious <laughs> only as, you know, are, and so people, I think undersell Arnold's, you know, smarts in the first one, because you're so distracted by his muscles and rightfully so, but it's just a movie that again, just hits. It's a perfect popcorn movie for me. And I kind of wish I saw it in the theater instead of Hulu. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, man, you're just, you're just really playing into, uh, 
promoting my podcast here, but episode 13, we covered uh, <laughs> Prey. And so, it, yeah, it, it was probably, uh, it, it's like on my honorable mention list. Uh, yeah. Had had way more uh, fun with it than I ever imagined it uh, being. And so, yeah, once again, I, I echo what you, what you said. And especially if you like that franchise and those type of movies, um, the way they reframed the story. Uh, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. What's your two? Um, so my number two, you you talked about a little bit, um, is everything everywhere all at once. Um, so uh, it's really, it's almost unfair. My number one movie is from 2021. So this one really is kind of at the top of the list. But yeah. Um, uh, you, you hit on the things, uh, the things you enjoyed about it is what I loved about it. Um, uh, we covered it on episode eight, so I won't rehash everything, but, um, I mean, I, I loved it enough that, you know, it's hard for me to get all the movies in that I want to see. And for me to revisit a film within about a month of watching it the first time, I think says a whole lot. And it was one where I, uh, I made a Whitney watch, uh, as well as my uh, mother-in-law and sister-in-law. Um, I think, I think they looked not Whitney so much, but they kind of looked at me a little bit like, huh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say in that same stance, they, they, they stuck with it. And I think really enjoyed it, you know, because of the message that's, packaged into this um in a good way crazy chaos uh and so um it's just i i love you know there's so many movies out there these days and the fact that there's still a way for uh, filmmakers to do things in a new way just uh, you know but also in a lot of ways it's a love letter to <laughs> you know movies in itself and so i like that aspect of it a whole lot so Hi, this is Stacy Massey. I am from the podcast featuring Hocus Pocus 2. My number one movie of 2022 has got to be Olivia Wilde's Don't Worry Darling. It features Harry Styles and it's a thriller which is suspenseful and gripping and has many twists and turns, leaving you on the edge of your seat. Okay, so a big moment here. Um, maybe I'll put in a drum roll, a little sound loop right here. Um, oh, what's your number one? Number one for me, um, I'm not going to make any concessions for it. It's the black phone for me. Um, it's, uh, I've always been a big Scott Derrickson fan. You know, I've always, I loved his, um, his journey up until this point and love Ethan Hawke. Um, I was going to put the good Lord bird in my top TV shows, but then I realized it was 2020, you know, 2020, but, um, again, it just checks all the boxes for me. It's like, I think it has some of the best child acting ever. Um, an incredibly satisfying ending, um, characters that you root for. I don't need to know how Ethan Hawke became to be evil. Like I, you kind of understand. And again, it's just, um, you know, the, you know, the book was written by the short story was written by Stephen King's son and it had, you could just feel kind of the influence of that and it just um again it's just one of those that just it's like an r-rated sixth sense and so you know if you get from an emotional level i connected with every aspect of it and it's just one of those kind of perfect storm where yeah this is just i think i've seen it four times since it's been out and i just i can't move it off of my number one 
it's definitely kind of been on my list. It's probably one I, I really wanted to see, but then kind of forgot about it because some other stuff came out. Um, yeah. But I, I'm a huge Ethan Hawke fan, so almost no matter what it is, I think it's worth seeing because he's in it. Um, and so uh, I think it's streaming on Peacock. Yeah, it's uh, on Peacock. Yeah, so, um, yeah, no, I want to check that out. Okay, so uh, for my number one, um, and even though I feel like it's almost kind of dated in some way, but it, it's maybe lost its uh, moment, but it's the documentary Beatles Get Back uh, that yeah. came out on Disney+. Plus, And, um, you know, part of the reason it took me a while to catch up on it was the length <laughs> of it. But, yeah. man, and I, I don't know, I don't know if it's a cheat even, originally i think it was supposed to be a, like a feature leak film to release in theaters and right. peter jackson broke it up in episodes and so maybe it's a little bit longer so i don't know if even do you consider this kind of a cheat it's a, your list i mean okay. yes but it's your list <laughs> it doesn't i mean i had bo burnham's inside as my number one last year and that's technically not a movie so yeah yeah it, it, it yeah. was on my films list last year too i totally saw it as a film but um yeah i just um i mean I would say I'm not even the biggest uh, Beatles fan. Like I don't know their whole catalog like other sure. people do, but um, but enough enough of a fan to know kind of what people assumed of their history and this big moment in their time. And um, I mean, regardless if you like them or not, they are obviously influential and some one of the best bands that's ever created. And to get this behind. The scenes look and not a behind the scenes look of today's days, uh, today's Instagram <laughs> and this kind of fake reality or, um, you know, celebrity produced documentaries about themselves. I mean, this is a pure, honest look of this band and not just their dynamics, but the creative process. Yeah, I, I, it, it just blew me away. Sure. And I was even I was even hesitant to jump into it of even the premise of like, you know, how fun is it to actually watch somebody create a song? <laughs> and uh, I, I was pretty amazed at just like, I didn't watch it straight through just because I have to sleep at some point, but I was shocked at like, I just wanted to keep, keep watching it. And um, I, I just, it, it's just amazing. And I, I think even if you're not a big music uh, fan or a Beatles fan, I, I, I think you'd still get wrapped up in this because it's just, a fascinating look at the dynamics of for the most popular people to ever live or have lived in this world. And so, uh, yeah, that's my number one. Cause it's still a movie. It, it's still a movie to me, Mark, I don't care what you say, but it's, uh, it's one that I just encourage. We're in a very, we're in a, we're in a point in culture where everything's very fluid. So if you want to say it's a movie, that's totally fine. <laughs> well, um, man, well, great list. You you've definitely added some movies that I I definitely want that I definitely want to see. Um, even though there's some horror ones in there, uh, I'm I, I will have to work myself into it. I think Wendy's a little mad at me of how much horror I've watched this year. So, but um, anyway, uh, th yeah, thanks for taking the time to share your list. Uh, I, I was excited to hear uh, what you what you had on had in store for us. No, absolutely, anytime. Okay, thanks, man. There it is, our top films of 2022. I would love to know if we inspired you to check out any of the films that we've listed or if you disagreed or agreed with any of our picks. Okay, so for the big news, 
I'm already anxious for 2023 to be here because on Movies or Life, we are going to cover the Ringer's list of the 50 best rom-coms. I have always loved this genre, and this list has a lot of fun films that I can't wait to revisit, plus some that are just blind spots for me. I'll be announcing more details in the coming weeks, but this doesn't mean that I won't be covering films outside of this list in the new year. As much as I love rom-coms, I have a feeling I'll need a break from the genre from time to time. If there are some relevant or recent films that come out, I still want to cover those, especially as Oscar season heats up. I'm going to take a much-needed break for the rest of 2022, but don't forget to check your feed because I'll be dropping some bonus content to tide you over until 2023. Plus, during the break, I do want to catch up on a lot of movies I've been wanting to see, especially some in the theater. So make sure you're following us on social media or at moviesarelife.com. I'll be writing reviews as much as I can on the content that I'm watching over the holiday season. Once again, thanks for listening, and I hope everyone has a safe and fun holiday season.